Welcome to Thrive Lathrop Podcast. Here at our church, we believe that everyone can thrive. Make sure to subscribe to our channel and enjoy this life-changing message. I've been well today. Wasn't worship so good? Can we give it up for the worship team one time? Hey, so good. And listen, I see a lot of red jerseys in here. And uh, yep, I like it. Go Niners. I had to say it. I'll say it one time. Won't say it again, okay? Go Niners. I won't. Okay, I said it twice. Whoops. But uh, I promise to have you home by halftime. I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. That would be like one o'clock. No, I'm just kidding. Uh, no, I'm excited today to, to bring the word. I'm closing our series, Welcome Home. How many think this, this series has been incredible? Come on. Hasn't it been such a good series? And, and Pastor Chris and Pastor Alberto have been bringing it. And, uh, real quick, before I get into the word, can we just honor our lead pastor? I know he said he's in Bakersfield, but he's, he's going to be watching online. Can we give it up for Pastor Chris so he can hear us online? And can we welcome everybody watching us online, family? We love you guys. We're glad you're watching here with us today. Oh, man, I, I am excited to be back. Uh, if you haven't seen me for a few weeks, it's not because I just left. My wife and I, well, my wife had a baby. We had our, we had our baby girl, Shiloh. She's about a month old. She is adorable. So cute. So cute. Um, we're, we're doing great. Thank you to everyone who's texted. We're just tired, so pray for us. Very tired. <laughs> My wife is awesome, though. Shout out to Talon. She let me get a full eight hours of sleep last night. And um, you should, if you know her, text her thank you as well. Because if you heard me on four hours of sleep, you would have thought you came to bilingual service. You know what I'm talking about? You'd have been like, what is he saying right now? Is he, what? Yeah, so she let me sleep. So thank the Lord that this isn't going to be messy. But uh, no, I, I realized the month I was out, I, I developed a superpower that some dads have. Um, we can sleep completely soundly through the sound of a crying baby. My, my wife, we've been switching baby dude. My shift is usually like 2 a.m. to 3 a.m. Because Shiloh is such a good baby. But the one thing is early on, her sleep schedule was completely flipped. So she was wide awake from 2 a.m. to like 5 a.m. and asleep all day. But the toddler was wide awake all day and asleep all night. So we've been a wreck. It's been a mess. Pray for us. No, but... uh. I could sleep through a crying baby like, like nobody's business. My wife would be like, babe, didn't you hear the baby? And I'm like, I promise you, clean conscience, no. <laughs> Not at all. So to all the wives out there, when your husband says, babe, I didn't hear the baby, he's telling the truth, okay? We didn't hear it. But wake him up, wives, okay? If you have a newborn, so wake him up. Make him help too because... Yeah, it's only fair. All right, cool. I'm excited today. Um, if, you, if you're taking notes, the title of the message today is, is A Home for Spiritual Family. And I'm really excited to bring this work because I feel it's so fitting. I feel I've learned so much about family this past month because all I've seen is my family. That's it. But I'm excited to bring it in the context of spiritual family. Another reason I'm excited is because I've missed you guys. You guys look good. I like your smiles. Especially those of you with Niners jerseys on. That's two. That's it. I'm done. Okay. That's three. My bad. Okay, thank you, Jordan. My bad. That's three. Uh, but who's counting? Uh, no, but I'm, I'm excited. I, I really think there's something deep and that happens in a spiritual family. And, and um, God has really called us to the spiritual family. So if you guys can stand with me for the reading of the word, we're going to jump into Galatians chapter 4. And we're going to read verses 4 through 7. And it says this, but when the, time, when the set time had fully come, God sent his son, born of a woman, born under the law, to redeem those under the law that we might receive adoption to sonship. 
Verse 6, because you are his sons, God sent the spirit of his son into our hearts, the spirit who calls out, Abba, Father. Verse 7, so you are no longer a slave, but God's child. And since you are his child, God has also made you an heir. Let's pray. Jesus, thank you for your word, your grace, your mercy, your truth. I thank you that you've redeemed us from the law, that you've called us out of slavery or servanthood and into sonship, into adoption. God, I thank you for your word that is so good. I thank you that you are here with us today. God, I thank you for this spiritual family who's going after you with all of our hearts. God, I pray that you bless this family, that we would continue to walk the path you've called us to, that we would reach the city and cities you've called us to reach. God, we thank you, we love you, we praise you in Jesus' name. Thrive set? Amen. 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 You may be seated. Now, I love this passage because it's not a super long passage. You didn't have to stand for long, so you're welcome. But um, just kidding. But, it, but it's also a super deep passage. And it's a, it's a critical passage for us to understand in our walk with Jesus, that if we don't understand our identity and our walk with Jesus and our adoption to sonship, we will live life looking at life a little skewed. We'll look at life with the wrong lens. And so I think this is an important thing for us to understand as a spiritual family. And the first thing I wanted to dive into is, is, is what does it mean to be an heir, right? Because that's not a typical word that we use oftentimes in our language. Now, maybe you do if you're fancy. Like, this is my heir, Eric. You know what I'm saying? I don't know. I'm just, just kidding. I don't know why I picked Eric. That's just a kid's name. Now, no one names their babies Eric no more. We don't have one kid in the youth group named Eric, I don't think. So, all right. Here we go. It's been a while since I preached, y'all. You might get, you might get, uh, you might get unfiltered me. Okay, <laughs> just kidding. Now I want to give some context into what it means to be an heir. There were uh, the, the readers of of this original writing. There would have been three prominent cultures that they would have been familiar with, right? Jewish culture, Greek culture, and Roman culture. Right? And there's something significant in all of these cultures. This language of becoming an heir is significant. In Jewish and Greek culture, there's actually a ceremony um, where you would go from a boy to a man. Not like the R&B group, okay? We're not talking about boys to men. <laughs> just kidding. Bad joke. See, dad joke number two. Listen, I had a second kid and the dad jokes just come out. But in Jewish and Greek culture, the, the, there's coming of age ceremonies where a boy would, would go and become the heir. Now, in Roman culture, there, there wasn't a ceremony, but the father would determine when the son became a man, and then he would become an heir, and then they would have the rights of a son and not just a servant. And so as Paul is writing this, he's writing this to a people who understand what it means to be an heir, who understand that when you are an heir, you walk in the inheritance of the father, that if something were to happen to the father, that you would you would inherit everything. And I think it's important for us to understand this language that God has called us heirs and we have an inheritance in him. Amen. See, this language may be unfamiliar because we don't understand the word heir. But before, what Paul is explaining is before you knew Jesus and you were bound by the law, you were on the outside. But now he redeemed us from the law and adopted us to sonship. So you went from the outside to the inside. You went from outside of the family to an heir who inherits the things of God. This is big news and critical for us to understand because I think some of us are Christians who, who were, are called heirs, but we don't live like it. We're called heirs, but we still live in bondage. We're called heir and son, but we still live as orphans in religious spirit. We still live disconnected even though God has called you to the intimacy of an heir. There's something intimate about a son. There's something intimate about a daughter. What it means to be an heir means you have access now. It means you inherit the things of the father 
means you don't have to wait until you get to heaven to enjoy the benefits of the inheritance. See, I think we have, we have too many Christians, too many of us follow God with a when I make it there mindset. What do I mean by that? I mean, we live like, man, when I get to heaven one day, I'll fully have a relationship with God. Then I'll be joyful. Then I won't worry anymore. Then I'll find peace when the reality is, as an heir, you can walk in the promises of God now. I love what Pastor Juan led us in worship, and he said there's freedom in the room. Can I tell you, there is freedom in this room because Jesus redeemed us from the law. We are free. You're no longer bound by law, but you're called to something greater, which is relationship. Can I tell you that relationship is so much greater than law? What does that mean? It means you follow God now because you want to and not because you have to. How many, if you're married, are grateful that you got to choose your spouse and you love your spouse because you chose her and not because she was chosen for you? You know what I'm talking about? Oh, yeah. yeah, I wasn't trying to marry no random lady. <laughs> uh, yeah, well, neither were you, so don't look at me. <laughs> I don't know, y'all. We're going there. Okay, what does it look like? It looks like you follow God because you choose to, not because you have to. We can experience the fullness of God today because we choose to have a relationship. This is the reason that God gave us free will, not to make us robots. Because he could have just made us robots who had to follow his law. But he chose to, allow, to, to give us the ability to, to choose him or not so the love is actually real. Because if God made us love him, that's not love, that's creepy. But when someone says, you can love me or you can walk away, that's actual love when you choose to love them. And so we are redeemed from the law, not because we're scared to go to hell, but because we love God so much. We don't live in habitual sin, not because we're afraid, but because we don't want to hurt God. It's, uh, there's a shift. There's a paradigm shift. There's a perspective shift that happens. You can experience the fullness of God today. Does it mean your circumstances will be perfect? No. I don't want you to think I'm saying that, oh man, follow Jesus and it's going to be peaches and rainbows and sunshine. Your, your circumstances won't always be perfect. But it does mean that if Jesus is the Prince of Peace, you can experience peace today. Yeah. Mm. It, it, listen, will your circumstances be perfect? No, but if you know the one who is peace, you can experience peace even in the middle of chaos. Yes. That is what it looks like to be an heir. Yeah. We, can I tell you something? We have too many grumpy Christians walking around today. Who don't know the joy of the Lord? The joy of the Lord is your strength. You're, you're always weak and grumpy because you don't know the joy of the Lord. Christians that talk about the love of God but look like this. Jesus loves you. If I was a non-Christian, I'd be like, no, he doesn't. Or at least you don't look like he loves you. No, I'm just kidding. Okay. Too many grumpy Christians. And, and listen, I'm not trying to criticize you if you're a grumpy Christian. I've been a grumpy Christian before. Grumpy Christians Anonymous, we can all unite after service. It's cool. <laughs> I'm not trying to criticize you. I'm trying to explain something. I think the reason we have so many grumpy Christians is because we don't understand that we're heirs. It's because we don't understand that we have direct access to the Father. This is why I love that we're doing prayer starting next Friday. Listen, get, get, get in the building because you need to develop a prayer life so that when you have a bad day, because you will have bad days, you don't stay in a bad day for a week and, tell, and, and show everybody at your workplace the opposite of the love of God, but you've developed a prayer life so that when you have a bad day, you can go to the one who is the Prince of Peace who can speak life into you and, and, and rejuvenate you. We don't understand that we have direct access. You don't need a middleman to go to the Father. You can go straight to Him, directly to Him, and there's something beautiful about us going directly to Him together. 
When you're in Jesus, there's nothing stopping you from talking to the Father at any time. Listen, I'm not trying to criticize you. I'm simply reminding you that you're an heir, that you have an inheritance, that the same spirit that rose Jesus from the grave lives in you. This passage says when you became sons redeemed from the law, he sent his spirit into you, lives inside of you. Not criticizing you, I'm telling you that if you're in, your inheritance means that if Jesus is the Prince of Peace, losing your job should not steal your sleep. That if Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life, the lies of the enemy shouldn't torment your mind. That if Jesus is the light of the world, the darkness around you should not overcome you. That if Jesus is the lion of the tribe of praise, the persecution that you face should not shut up your mouth in worship. That if Jesus is who he says he is and we understand our inheritance in him, the circumstances of our life may be bad, but that should not affect us to a place where we no longer walk as heirs. It should not affect us to a place where we walk out of identity. Mm. Actually understanding your place in the kingdom will cause you to live in freedom, true freedom. If we're going to be a home for spiritual family, which I believe God has called us to increase and be a home for spiritual family and a growing family. We have to look at ourselves with the correct lens. Like I said, my wife and I, we just had our second baby a month ago. Again, perfect baby. Eats, sleeps, poops. All she does. <laughs> Any parents that have multiple kids know what I'm talking about? Like, okay, our first kid, oh, Lord, we had to, like, hold her at, like, a 45-degree angle and rock just the right way. And, and she had to get to sleep at 8.07 because if it was 8.08, we were all in trouble. Any parents know what I'm talking about with one kid, right? That is not the second baby. Praise the Lord. We named her uh, Shiloh, which means peaceful one. I was trying to prophesy that. You know what I'm saying? I was like, dear Lord, please. We need it. We need it because the other one ain't. She's the perfect baby. But again, I think I, I said this earlier. She's awake from 2 a.m. to 6 a.m. Lord, help us. Uh, she's backwards. She's perfect other than that. But I remember one night a couple weeks ago, I was on dad duty. I woke up. Actually, my wife woke me up because I didn't hear the crying baby. Okay. She woke me up and she said, babe, it's your turn. Get up, feed the baby, change the baby. Cool, we're good. Put her down to sleep. All of a sudden, I hear her poop. I was like, oh, no. Mom ain't here to change this one. It's like, okay, I got this. This is, she was young. She's like two weeks old, and she was born like almost three weeks early, so she's a little baby, and so I was nervous. Listen, I could change an older baby, but a little baby, I was nervous. And um, I'm like, okay, I got this. Change her diaper, rock her. She's crying. Put her back to sleep. Head hits the pillow. I hear it again. Another diaper. <sighs> Lord, help me. You know, I'm like, I'm like, oh, gosh, okay. Get up. Change her diaper. She's crying again. Now I think she's hungry again. She's in that weird phase because she's awake, but she's not quite hungry, but she's kind of hungry, so she's just crying. From 2 a.m. to 4 a.m., my daughter and I wrestled. Not really, but it, it felt like it. We were just like, oh, what do you need? Pooping again. Okay, need a bottle. No, don't need a bottle. I was trying to keep mom asleep, so I, you know what I'm saying? I'm trying to be a good husband, and, and it, was, it, was, it was like a mess. Any parent ever had a night like that? You know what I'm talking about, where it's just like you got no sleep. Life was rough. It was rough, and, and it, I remember it's about 4 a.m., two hours of this, five years off of my life, <laughs> just from stress. You know what I'm you know, Like two hours is, I'm, I remember, look, I'm holding her, and she finally stops crying, and we're looking in each other's eyes because babies can't do nothing but look you know like she's just looking in my eyes and I remember in the middle of this messy situation fussy all of it all I remember is looking in her eyes and I couldn't help but feeling overwhelming love for this girl 
I didn't think about the diapers. I didn't think about the mess. I didn't think about the crying. I was overcome with love for her. I was looking at her eyes. I was like, man, I just love this girl so, so much. And Holy Spirit hit me like a wave. You know what, what I'm talking about when Holy Spirit just, boom, Holy Spirit just hit me like a wave and all I felt was overwhelming love. And can I tell you something? I am by no means a perfect father. Ask my wife <laughs> or either of my daughters. But in the middle of the mess, I was captivated by love for my daughter. In the middle of probably the hardest night of my life, I was just purely in love with the one who was making it the hardest night of my life. In the, in the, I need someone to catch this today, that I, I am an earthly father who is flawed, but the, the heavenly father is fascinated with you. Yeah. That even in the middle of the mess that you've created and I've created, God loves you so much that he looks at you and says, son, daughter, I love you. Son, daughter, I'm fascinated with you. Can I tell you that Holy Spirit will wake up with you at 2 a.m. when you're stressed about the bills and will remind you that, son, daughter, I got this. Son, daughter, I'm fascinated with you. Son, daughter, I love you, and you need not worry because I am the Prince of Peace. Someone needs to understand the overwhelming love of God for them. Because if I could understand it as an earthly father, how much more can he understand and how much more love does he have for you? In the middle of your mess. Some of us, can I tell you, I think the reality is some of us keep God at a distance because we feel a little messy. We feel like, I don't think God wants anything to do with me because I'm a mess. I sinned last week, Pastor Matt. I, I said something I shouldn't have. I, I cussed at my coworker. I watched that thing I wasn't supposed to watch. And, and I just can't go to God right now because there's a, there's a little bit of mess going on in my life right now. So, no, no, can I tell you that in the middle of the mess, God wants to meet you? Last uh, or a couple weeks ago, I think Pastor Chris talked about uh, the story of the prodigal son, right? And the prodigal son was eating pig slop. The prodigal son came home dirty. And what did the father do? The father ran out to him and put a ring and a robe on him. Can I tell you that if you're feeling distant from God because you've made a mess, can I tell you that God is fascinated with you in the middle of your mess and he still calls you heir and he still calls you son and he still calls you daughter? Come on, you can praise him. Listen, I'm not giving you license to just while out and sin all the time. Be like, woo, God loves me. Yeah, he does, but come on. <laughs> he wants to welcome you to the spiritual family, to, to the place where you make the decision not to hurt his heart because you love him. Yeah. Forgives you, sure, but don't grieve the Holy Spirit. He wants to remind you of your proper place. Some of us need, you know, the word says it all over, your proper place, your identity, your sonship. But the problem is we don't believe the word in that aspect. We can believe certain aspects, but oh man, he really loves me? Yeah, he really loves me. He really wants me? Yeah, he really does. You don't need to limp your way to heaven. You have access to God today. And he loves you more than you know. You have access. The second thing I want to talk about is, is, is you have the same access to the Father that Jesus has. I know that sounds crazy, but it, it's a reality. You have the access to the Father that Jesus has. Verse 6, if you could throw it up there. It says, because you are his sons... God sent the spirit of his son into our hearts, the spirit who calls out Abba, Father. I want to focus on this verbiage that that word calls out in the Greek is a word called kradzo, which, which means like a deep groaning or a deep cry of one in pain. It's the same expression that Jesus used in Matthew 27 when he's on the, the cross and he cries out his last to the Father. It's an expression of, of I need you in intimacy. The same word that's explained for your relationship with God and the intimacy you can have is the same word that Jesus used as he was on the cross crying out to the Father. 
You have the level of intimacy where you can cry out to the Father the same way Jesus cried out to the Father. When the circumstances of your life are rough, you can cry out to him in a way that, that is real and deep. And you don't have to feel distant and ask a pastor to pray that God would make all your wildest dreams come true. I don't know what that was, but yeah. <laughs> the last thing Jesus did on the cross was cry out to the Father. An intimacy cry. A pain cry. That's the access that you have to God. I think if we catch that, it'll change the way we look at God. It'll change the way we talk to God. It'll change our perspective. We'll understand that we're sons. He sent the spirit to, the heart, to our hearts, and in turn, he made us part of the spiritual family. See, my last point is this, is welcome home is an invitation to family. This series we've been talking about is, is it's an invitation to the family of God. It's an invitation first vertically to have a relationship with Jesus, but then horizontally to have a relationship together as a church. Can I tell you, it's imperative that we are a church family. And when we say welcome home, we're not just saying welcome home to a church system or a group of people or a country club. When we say welcome home, we're saying welcome home to what your soul was designed for. It's a welcome home to a spiritual family. Because you've had the upward relationship with the Father, it will extend to a horizontal relationship with other believers. Can I tell you? Go ahead. You can praise them. The response of a life that understands a connection with God is first unity with God. Understanding you're a son. Understanding you're a daughter. Understanding your love. The second response is unity with the church. Am I saying that you won't go to heaven if, you don't, if you're not united with the church? No, I'm not saying that. But, I, but you will limp a little harder if you don't have the church. <laughs> and, and, the, and the third thing is love for others who don't know him. That's a life that understands connection with God. The response to a life that knows God is not exclusivity, it's inclusivity. Because the reality is as the church, we need each other. God designed us to be the church together. And if you don't like it, talk to him. I love what Pastor Chris said a couple months ago. You aren't the church. I'm not the church. We are the church. Together. We need a spiritual family. God designed it that way. Well, why did God design it that way? Because he knows you and he knows me. And he knows that when I have three bad weeks and I want to just call it quits and walk back into my sin, that someone in my life is going to send me a text that, hey, I've been praying for you, brother. Love you. Hope you're doing well. Knows that we need that. Knows that you need that. Listen, there will be times in your life where you need to lean on someone. There'll be times in your life where you need to lean on someone. There'll be times in your life, in your walk with God, where someone will need to lean on you. Don't just be a leaner and don't just get leaned on. I don't care how long you've been a Christian. There'll be times in your life where you will need to go to someone and you will need them to encourage you. And not because that person can save you, but because they can point you back to the one who can. That's, the, that's, that's what we do together is we don't save each other. We don't need each other to save each other. Jesus already did that in the, on the cross, paid in full. But we need each other to remind each other of the, of the, that, we, that it was paid in full. We need each other to remind each other, hey, 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 I know you've had a bad couple weeks, but man, get, get, get back to church. Hey, get in small group. Hey, get connected. Hey, get there on prayer night because you, we need each other. And if the worship team could come up, I'm closing here. I told you I'd have you home by halftime. Just kidding. You'll be home like before it starts. Our, uh, our three-year-old, Kinsley, she's, she's hilarious. She, she helps with our newborn. Anyone have a toddler who helps with the newborn? She helps. And um, one time, I, I, it's hilarious. I was, trying to, I was trying to get a bottle ready for Shiloh, right? And she's crying. And you know when a baby's hungry and they're hungry 
And it's not crying, it's screaming, actually, is what it is, right? Like, and the, so the baby's, ah, ah, like, like, I didn't do that into the mic, you're welcome. Um, just kidding. She, she, the baby's screaming, the baby's crying, the baby's screaming, and I remember Kinsley's in the other room, she's watching a show on her iPad, I remember she sits her iPad down, walks, just, I just hear the little footsteps, right, walks up to, to Shiloh, puts her hand on her back, rubs her little back, and she says, it's okay, Shy, daddy's getting the bottle ready for you, and then just walks away. I was like, <laughs> yeah, like I almost started crying, but like, not just because it was cute, because it was cute, because Holy Spirit just hit me in that moment. Kinsley knew from experience that when she needs something, daddy's there. I want to tell you, there, 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 there will be times where you need someone around you not to be your savior, but someone who has a history with the father. You'll need someone around you who has a history with the Father. Someone who's been through what you're going through who can say, hey, I lost my job too, but let me remind you that Jesus is the Prince of Peace and, and he came through for me and he can come through for you. Hey, I went through a painful situation with my family member. I went through the same thing you went through, but let me tell you who was my peace in that moment is it was Jesus. Yeah. Can I tell you something? You need someone around you who has experience with the Father. And you sometimes will need to be, this is, I think some of us need to, 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 to we, 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 we're cool with that. Like, yeah, I need someone. I need a group leader. I need someone who can, who can build me up. But sometimes you need to be there for someone else. I think some of us need to step off the ledge of just getting helped. And we actually need to actually walk out and be the church and say yes to what God has put on our life. Because the Bible says that we are all the body of Christ. And we all have a unique uh, position. And we all have an important part that we play. See, we need someone who can take our eyes off of our circumstance and onto the Father. Someone to hold us accountable. Someone to know when we're missing. Someone who loves us. Someone who's there for us. Can I tell you, parents, young people specifically, this is actually one of the reasons we chose to make a, a, our, our shift in youth from a weekly youth service to small groups. And I know some of you are like, this is a big change. I know it's probably the biggest change in youth we've ever made. But I am convinced that in, in, in this fact, we need someone who knows when you're not there. Listen, it's not, we're not changing because we're struggling. We're actually growing. And, and it's doing great. And God is doing an amazing thing in our young people. But I've, done, I've read some statistics about young people. And they need actually one-on-one -on -one accountability more than any generation ever. Can I tell you something? This isn't a shift uh, of weakness. It's a shift of strength because I believe that God would challenge our young people to get plugged in, to have someone who knows them. Uh, we're, we're making a shift to hold each other accountable, to love each other. Your young people don't just need to hear me. Your young people need to be the church. You know the thing about family is families think generationally. We need young people who live out the gospel. I want to pastor a generation of young people who live out the gospel, not just hear it. <laughs> I believe one of the reasons that I've been praying and thinking about this transition, one of the reasons young people statistically have been leaving the church in America at a rapid rate is because they're treated as consumers, not disciples. It's because they're saying, hey, listen to Pastor Matt talk to you every week for 48 weeks and maybe it'll fix your problem. I think sometimes we struggle because we don't get off the boat and we don't jump into the water after Jesus ourselves. And we don't say, you know what, God, I'm going to take a risk and I'm going to actually walk in faith. I believe in this season, God is calling our church to a greater measure of faith than we've ever walked in because that's actually what discipleship looks like. Can I tell you something? We got some young people in here who can preach. My prayer is that in a couple years, they're preaching better than me. You're like, Pastor Matt, we don't even want to hear you no more. I know, I'm cool. 
I'm cool with that because God wants us to think generationally. Look at the disciples. They were all young. Some, some scholars believe the apostle John was as young as 15 years old. <laughs> A bunch of young people changed the world. Can I tell you something? It's because they had great faith. Can I tell you something? It's because they were disciples. Can I tell you something? It's because they were connected to a spiritual family. And they weren't one-offs just running around. They were a spiritual family who was connected, who was leading other people to Jesus. We are the church family. It was never designed to be a preacher and a bunch of people listening. It was never designed to be a preacher and a bunch of consumers. It was designed to be a church where we all walk in our giftings and we all answer the call of Jesus. I want to talk to someone who's been on the fence today. You have something to contribute because the same spirit that rose Jesus from the grave lives in you. So do not tell me that you cannot pray for someone. Do not tell me that you can't walk out on what God has called you to if he lives in you. You have something to contribute. I want to close with this. Can I tell you something? God is preparing this church to do something incredible. I believe it with all my heart. Look around at our city. Look at River Islands. Look at the people coming. Look at the people that are ready. I've seen more new families in like the past year than I've seen. I've been here nine years than I've seen ever, ever, any year. And that's after COVID. Can I tell you they're coming? We got an in and out. And a Sonic. We didn't even need it, but we got it. And you have something to contribute. You're a part of the body. You're not a consumer. Can I tell you something? He, he won't say it because it would sound arrogant if he said it. Pastor Chris is the man to lead this charge. I, I'm so grateful for him and I'm excited. I love his heart. His heart is that we, the body, are a spiritual family. I love his humility that it, he knows it's not all about him. And he's an incredible preacher. How many know you have an incredible preacher as lead pastor? And, and this worship team is uniquely gifted. They're, they're, they're great, right? Yep, come on, give it up for them too. But can I tell you something is, is, is if we are just a great preaching and great worship church and the body doesn't believe it, we won't see actual spiritual growth. Can I tell you where the growth is going to happen in a spiritual family is when we all wake up and own it and live out what God has called us to. This message might be a little challenging, but I'm call, I believe it's from the Lord and he wants to say, get off your seat and get in the game. He wants to tell you that you have something to contribute. He wants to tell you that you're because of this upward relationship with Jesus, you are a part of this body. Don't live thinking your life is insignificant and significant. Because Jesus didn't die for an insignificant person. I, I want to give you the opportunity to make a couple decisions today. If everyone can stand with me. Thank you again for tuning into our podcast. For more info, please visit our website at thrivelathrop.com. Have an amazing rest of your week.